It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet Pappy Malcolm on this podcast tonight. That's right, everybody. It's Muppet time. How have we not done Muppets yet? We're almost, this might be episode 70. We're like, we're in the, we're hovering. We're hovering around 70. Hover. (laughs) Hovering around 70. And we haven't done Muppets yet. Like, what the... As as Kermit would say, what the fuck? How have we not done Muppets yet? Um, and so what what we're doing is we're doing top five Muppets, and um, who else to talk about this with than Pappy Malcolm? So here's the deal. Um, Letterbox, great place to be. Um, hanging out there, talking about Disney movies all the time, and then who 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 stumbles into my Scrooge McDuck? into this the realm of the Scrooge McDuck than the than somebody with a another duck avatar and then then there's a follow a mutual follow on the the old letterbox machine um and then sure enough you know one thing leads to another letterbox is connected to twitter suddenly i've realized that pappy malcolm has a podcast and he wants me to be on it so you can go out there I'll put the link in the bio to his podcast, and I'll put another link to the podcast that I was on of his. Um, it's the Spoilers Podcast. He's going to talk about it a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's called Spoilers. There's an exclamation point. The Spoilers Podcast. And I'll put the two links, one to the podcast and one to my specific episode. Because I, he invited me on, and the two of us had a, had a bit of a chat we did about uh, Mulan. Now that's not that's not a movie about a cow on the grass. No, 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 no. Mulan is is about um, what it means to to finally find your identity, not only in your family but in your country. So that's Mulan, timeless tale. Honestly, some would even say it's a tale as old as time, or a song as old as rhyme. Uh, how old is rhyme, by the way? How old is that? You know, like when if you were a caveman who said ooga booga, that that's rhyming. That's pretty old. I don't know. I don't know if Mu- the story of Mulan is as old as that. Is all right. So here's the question of the week: Is Mulan as old as ooga booga? That's the question of the week. Um, yeah. So I talked about Mulan with the great crew uh, over at Spoilers, which is well, at least for this episode, was spearheaded by happy malcolm himself and i said you know what let's keep this crossover going come on this show so he came on this podcast and we talked about muppets it's a great episode um and he had some very nice things to say as well which we were very touching and i appreciated them very much um he's a he's a he's a cool cool fella that pappy malcolm um highly recommend uh his podcast and and i recommend just the pappy malcolm experience um yeah, so that's great. Um, what else? What else is going on? Um, we had Ryan Gosling movies last week, so so that's something. Next week's a big one as well, um, and so that's exciting. Uh, also, um, a uh, Lamorne Morris, um, who played Winnie the Bish on New Girl. Uh, shared a petition to get um, the Minnesota police officers uh, charged 
and that's going to be a link in this as well. That petition's uh, good in to sign. I would recommend signing that because that's probably good to do. Um, so that'll be a link in the bio as well. I have ton. I'm just accumulating so many links at this point. But it's all. I mean, link in the bio. What am I talking about? Is this Instagram? Is this BJ Novak's bio itself? No, 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 no. Link in the episode description. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, accumulating a lot of links, so... I don't know. Nobody really listens to this anyway, so it's not that big a deal. But I'll be sharing that for any, anyone who comes across this in their Muppet exploits. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. That's all I have to say. What else? I don't really got anything else going on. I don't... No, no, nothing. Um, rain clouds. And now I'm just kind of doing word association. All right. Um, well, I'll wrap it up there. And enjoy um, the great Pappy Malcolm talking about Muppets. It feels, I feel like I'm forgetting something. It's okay. I think I covered it. As long as I got Pappy Malcolm's uh, podcast plugged. So that's what I got to do. Because he's on, he's a guest. And gotta honor the guests. So thank you again for being here, Pappy. You're just you're you're a swell fella. There's a rhyme. Like is Mulan older than swell fella? That's kind of not a rhyme. It's like assonance, and that's a thing. Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, another great episode of Goodbye Mellow Brick Road. Um, and we have a very special guest. This is a a great uh, podcast crossover event. Um, I have the great. Happy Malcolm, thank you so yeah. much for being here. Thanks for having me. And, and when I did that, yeah, I like waved my arms <laughs> in the air like a Muppet. Just so. like a Muppet. Yeah. Um, uh, I had the great honor of being on your podcast um, very recently. I think by the time this episode comes out, uh, our 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 Mulan episode will have come out. Uh, but hopefully, yeah. Would you want to talk about the spoilers podcast a little bit? Yeah, I would love to. And uh, thanks for inviting me to talk to your great audience. You are an awesome guest. I hope I can <laughs> live up to the hype. Um, but yeah, Spores is just a movie podcast. It's, it's me and a, a bunch of friends. We have a pretty big cast. It's kind of like a book club for movies where we have a rotating movie every week and someone's the host. They get to play host and we have a little trivia game at the end to pick the host. And we also do kind of like larger event episodes a couple times a year, like so far, I think we're the only podcast to ever do an episode on every Best Picture winner. And I think we're the only podcast to rank all the canonical films of the Walt Disney Animated Studio, which I hope your fans like. So if you're interested in any of those, check us out over at Spoilers with an exclamation point. End plug. Yes, all I have. most of my listeners are probably uh, Disney people. Um, so I think I, I, for one, was a fan of the Disney ranking uh even though I might have disagreed with a couple of the placements, but that's part of the fun. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we're we here to talk about a different, like, it's part of Disney, but not really. We're talking, today we're doing top five Muppets, um, which is a great topic. Um, and I have to ask, uh, what's your, what is your connection to the Muppets? Oh, man, Dave, I love the Muppets. Like, I, I used to go back, uh, well, first of all, I would say that Muppet Christmas Carol 
I think is like literally the greatest movie ever made. And like I said, I've seen every movie to be- to win Best Picture. I'm very much kind of a film snob, but I-, I legitimately think it's the best movie ever made. And I also remember seeing Muppet Treasure Island in theaters to kind of date myself. And that was the first time that I had like the film burnout in a movie. So that was kind of the first time that I realized that like, oh, movies are fallible. This whole system's kind of just duct tape and wired together. But interestingly i'm now i'm now engaged i'm in a relationship with a beautiful lovely talented woman who happens to not like the muppets which i didn't think that was i know i didn't think that was possible but she's a really good person despite that that one glaring black mark so it's kind of an interesting dynamic i got her to watch half of the muppets uh the jason siegel movie last night in preparation before she fell asleep but (laughs) but yeah they, they hold a very special place in my heart I feel like that's, I feel like I hear that a lot with the Muppets. Either people are like super into them, grew up with them and all that, or they just, they're like, I don't get it. I hate the Muppets. Yeah, I think it's like a, like certain types of food. If you're exposed at a young age, you're just like into it. And if not, like you just missed your mark. It's like learning a language. You, you either get it at a young age or it's really hard to do as an adult. It's very true. It's very true. Um, and for this list, I I sort of went outside of the, the Muppet crew that you would see in like your average Muppet film. And I explored uh, the other, some other Muppet properties like Sesame street. Uh, I, I thought about Fraggle rock and Emmett Otter. I thought about all of Ooh. these. Did you, ex- did you expand it all beyond that? Oh yeah. I'm deep into the uh, MCU, the Muppet cinematic <laughs> universe. So I'm pulling from a couple different places and I may have cheated. I hate to do this. I may have a tie at one of my numbers, but I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that when it comes up absolutely we will uh i'll kick it off here with number five um i have animal he uh he's kind of he's a little bit tough to peg uh because he's a bit of a loose cannon uh not i'm not really familiar with the uh the hard rock bands of the 70s the 60s and 70s i'm not sure who exactly animal is sort of based off of but it's got to be somebody who's on some kind of drug uh but Animal is great. I used to have a t-shirt with his face on it, and he just plays the drums. That's pretty much uh, his shtick. Uh, I liked his role in that Jason Siegel Muppets movie where he uh, was trying to get away from the drums altogether and ended up having this big uh, climactic moment during Rainbow Connection where he came in with a drum solo and brought the Muppets all back together. Uh, but I also just like that he's just a bit of a wild card um, and... But he's a wild card who's also loyal to his friends, to his bandmates. I think that's a pretty good role to occupy for Animal. My mom's favorite Muppet, Animal. Uh, so that's really cool. And I love how he he seems to be the least humanoid of any of the Muppets. <laughs> he's definitely kind of a, like, like his name implies, Animal, right? But he doesn't seem to be quite all the way there. You know what I mean? He's kind of the Muppet on the edge, if you will. Yeah, he's like... He's a beast for sure. He's a mon. He's he really fits the mold of the monster. Uh, but yeah, he's a. I'm glad your your mom has good taste. Um, <laughs> she knows her Muppets. Yeah. Shout out to Nurse Malcolm, school <laughs> nurse. <laughs> um, what what Muppet is gonna slide in right there for you at number five? Okay, like I said, like I said before we started uh, recording, I really agonized over this list, but then I. <laughs> I just I put everything away and I said, okay, if you had to pick five Muppets who meant the most to you, who are those five Muppets? And landing at number five, I, have you seen the movie Labyrinth? I have. Okay, do you remember the worm 
at the beginning of the labyrinth who goes, hello. Yes. That is my number five Muppet. I couldn't find a canonical name from him. I just have Worm from Labyrinth. But we did a podcast over on Spoilers a couple years ago about Labyrinth. And his part in that movie is just so memeable and sticky <laughs> and hilarious that we're just constantly quoting it to each other. Like almost every time we join a Skype call, someone goes, oh, hello, I'm just a worm <laughs> every time. And I don't he, he's a very small part in the movie. Uh, but he's a really cute character, and one of my neighbors has a has a worm uh, from Labyrinth sticker on his car that says "Hello" in big letters, and I and I love it every time I walk by. So, worm from Labyrinth number five for me. I mean, it's a it's a great pick. It's very niche. Uh, super, very niche. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut in the in uh, Muppet lore. Uh, I don't think this is one of the ones who. Well, granted, I don't think Labyrinth had even come out yet. But in that like Muppet Family Christmas. Uh, where they try to get every Muppet all together. I don't he does not appear. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, if Labyrinth definitely, I considered it as well when I made this list, I didn't make, none of them made my list. Uh, but yeah, the worm from, (laughs) from Labyrinth, not bad. Uh, definitely didn't expect to hear it, but I, I welcome it all the same. Um, my number four, it's not going to be as deep of a cut. Uh, I feel like this has gained popularity in recent years. It used to be super uh, obscure, um, but I have Emmett Otter coming in at number four. Nice. Uh, right from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen that, who's listening to this, it's uh, basically like it's like an hour-long special where uh, that they the Emmett Otter and his his mother, who is Ma Otter, uh, they both enter a talent competition, uh, but they're not on the same. They're on the same group. Emmett is with his jug band, and Ma Otter sings on her own. And it's sort of like a gift of the Magi story that gets them to that point where they compete for the big prize because they want to buy each other Christmas gifts. Uh, and it's a it's a short little heartwarming tale that is definitely, you can feel Jim Henson's like fingerprints all over it. It's super full of heart, full of love and generosity, Christmas spirit. It's a great little special to watch every every holiday season. And I wanted to... Give it, give it some praise here by talking about good old Emmett Otter. You know, I don't think that I've seen this. I did a quick Google for Emmett Otter. Like, this jug band is definitely pretty iconic. Maybe it's in the background of some other Muppet stuff, but I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched Jug Band Christmas from start to finish. If you do ever watch it, I would recommend also watching the bloopers because those are hilarious. <laughs> Muppet bloopers are pretty good. Frank Oz, that man, he he had great timing. Um, but yeah, Emmett Otter, great pick, uh, uh, I, I would say, in my opinion. Uh, but who's your number four? Okay, this is where I started to cheat a little bit. And I, I too, wanted to break from the ranks of the traditional, you know, Muppet show, Muppets. And I agonized and I agonized and I, and I couldn't decide between Grover and Oscar, who are going to land at number four. Now... Let me talk about Oscar first. So Oscar does the magic trick that so few characters can do in any medium. It's he's a big jerk. He's a big a-hole. He's a grouch. But yet he, he's somehow so enduring and lovable to the audience. I remember when I was a kid just being fascinated by his trash can. And it seemed like he had like wings upon wings upon wings of his home down there he had like a bowling alley and a swimming pool and i think like elephants at some point point. <laughs> and for a long time like when i got my my first computer 
uh, when I first went to college, there was a really high res image of Oscar the Grouch that was making rounds on the internet. And that was my background for, for literally years. So shout out to Oscar there. And then Grover for no other reason other than there's a monster at the end of this book, which is as a adult, still one of my favorite books of all time. Have you read that Dave? Uh, that's a all time classic. Have you seen the Johnny Bravo? There's a hunk at the end of this cartoon uh, parody. No, I haven't. I didn't know they made a parody. It's uh, If you're familiar with Johnny Bravo, it's the same basic premise. The name of the episode is there's a hunk at the end of this cartoon, and Johnny Bravo spends the episode freaking out about this hot guy who's going to steal all the babes. Then he realizes that he was the hunk at the end of the cartoon, <laughs> and much to his relief. A lot like Grover did. But my that was a book that my family read me, my, my dad, my mom, my grandparents, and they always put a lot of emphasis on things like you turn the page every time and it, it just even thinking about that now it, it makes me happy so grover and oscar are, are gonna share that number four realm i love the pick um both picks they're great uh oscar i agree with what you said that he's that even from a young age anyone could be fascinated by him like he really i feel like and the older you get the more you realize that he truly embodies the spirit of new york um mm-hmm. like you could find a million oscars if you go to new york uh and so he's obviously love lovable love oscar um and then grover i mean i you said it perfectly grover is an all-time great muppet he's one of the great uh people of sesame street um and the monster at the end of this book uh i used to get i think that might be like a building block of my anxiety where (laughs) i freaked out every time because i had such a i had no long-term memory at the time and i was like oh my god what's gonna happen (laughs) And so that book's obviously been great. I I read it a couple of years ago just to feel some nostalgia, and it was great. And uh, last night I even uh, watched um, the Sesame Street NPR Tiny Desk concert to just I was just looking through some Muppet content, and Grover yes. gets Grover isn't even in the beginning. Uh, it's like Big Bird and Bert and Ernie, but then Grover gets his own segment, so it just makes up for it completely. So great picks. <laughs> Love the Sesame Street inclusion. Yeah, speaking of uh, Muppet content, too, I, I was doing a little bit of browsing, and if you if you Google, like, Oscar Grover, best moment, they have a crossover moment, um, where where Grover's annoying Oscar, and Oscar's like gets this, like, bright idea, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll play a game with you, and he goes down to his trash can, and the name of the game is you have to guess the sound, and he goes down to his trash can, and he proceeds to, like, play, like, these, like, horrific sounds, <laughs> like, for Sesame Street, like, guns firing, and, like, cars <laughs> crashing, and all this stuff, and, and Grover just responds with, like, the most wholesome, lovable uh, guesses, and he's, he's just the best, lovable, furry old Grover, can't go wrong. He's gotta be one of the kindest monsters who ever lived. Agreed. Um, this guy, coming in back from my number three, he's not a monster, um... But we are going back to the classic uh, Muppet crew for this one. I have the Swedish Chef. Um, oh, nice. I love the Swedish Chef. Um, I really kind of like missed the boat on the Swedish Chef when I was a kid. Like I didn't really have a relationship with him growing up. Um, I kind of formed one in anticipation of that 2011 Muppet movie uh, and really kind of gravitated towards him. I thought he was just a really funny character i was uh endlessly uh entertained by him i thought just his the way he would just have like um just his general like gibberish or that sounded (laughs) vaguely scandinavian um was always entertaining to me and his constant catastrophes obviously in the kitchen were sources of uh great 
comedy for the show. He also, at the Muppet Vision 3D attraction in Disney's Hollywood Studios, he has um, a great role to play where he's actually one of the only uh, in-person Muppets that's, uh, like, there. Uh, they have Sweetums, who comes out in a costume, and they have Bean Bunny, and but they also have the Swedish Chef. Um, and I also wanted to, when I was uh, doing some research and trying to come up with some... Uh, some reasoning behind my picks instead of just I love him and have fond memories of him. Uh, I also wanted to give a shout out to this person on Twitter whose name is Horse Jerk or House Jerk, something like that. Um, and they're at, if anyone, just to make sure I credit this joke, it's uh, at Rajondelman. And they said, the Swedish chef is the best Muppet, shockingly pure in conception. Just one tall hippie's antipathy towards Northern Europe. How can they fit so much disrespect in such a small felt man? <laughs> it's a perfect tweet that summarizes why the Swedish chef is fantastic. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Do you know what they call the uh, Swedish chef in Sweden? No. The Danish chef. <laughs> they just pass them off to another Scandinavian country. And it's it's the charm of the Muppets that a caricature of a whole nationality just flies you know what i mean like no one even bats an eye at that we're making fun of a whole culture here it's great and they do it great too like where like if you were to have like a french stereotype occupation you might say like oh a french waiter or like Mm -hmm. um like something like that or like a, a british like beef eater but there's not really anything about the swedish culture that makes you think chef so he just made something that no matter when you Google the stereotype, this is what's going to come up every time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I guess they are known for their IKEA meatballs. That's about <laughs> yeah. about it. That's. But yeah, great pick. Thank you. The Swedish Chef, love him. Uh, who's your third place Muppet? Okay, this might be a little shockingly low, but like I said, I had to just go what was in my heart. And Kermit lands at number three for me. Now, if we were doing some kind of tier tier list all of these muppets would obviously be s tier elite (laughs) muppets but it's his facial expressions it's his arm movements it's his personality you know what i mean kermit really is kind of the the straight man in a lot of the jokes he's he's the leader of the muppets he always does the right thing he very very rarely intentionally would, would hurt another's feelings or if he would he would like immediately apologize and so he's very enduring that way and and he is the emotional core of the muppets you know you mentioned the song rainbow connection that's that's probably one of the most touching things that jim henson ever did and, and even you know there's that skit or that quick youtube clip of a, of a little girl uh with kermit when when they're trying to do the abc song i, I don't know if you've seen that uh yes where where she keeps like she goes A B C Cookie Monster and Kermit gets it's, it's one of the few times you see frustration in Kermit's face or, or you know Jim Henson obviously acting that but the way that she comes back and just gives him the big old kiss on the on the frog lips just melts your heart so Kermit one of the best Muppets uh, but number three for me it's excellent um, as a, he does not make my list I will say that uh, but the way like you're saying it, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to leave him off because he has so many um, of the iconic moments, uh, partly because he is the main character, but it's these iconic moments that made him into such a great character as well. Uh, Like Rainbow Connection is one of the greatest songs ever written for a movie, if not one of the greatest songs ever in general. Um, 
and that moment is obviously a great one. Kermit is also, he gets so many of the great, uh, he gets to be the straight man, but he also gets to be sarcastic so often. Uh, it reminds me of like a Jeff Winger from Community type role that he plays with the rest of the Muppets. And um, I also think like BJ Novak once said that uh, when people ask who your favorite character is from something, there's too many people who are reluctant to say the main character. But that it, they shouldn't be reluctant because that's the character that gets the most attention, uh, the most care behind the craft, uh, and they get the most to do. And that's definitely true for Kermit. He's become like synonymous with the Muppets. He's the icon of that group. And like you said, the facial expressions, everything about him, he's just he's obviously one of the great characters ever created. And that's a, that's an interesting point because I think that's why I struggled with Kermit because I I kept asking myself am I just putting him on this list because I feel like I have to but there's too too many great Kermit moments for me to leave him off and you know he was even kind of reborn as a meme the Kermit sipping tea meme was huge <laughs> a few years ago so big that LeBron James even wore a hat with Kermit sipping tea when he returned triumphantly to Cleveland with the NBA championship. So a, a huge piece of the pop culture, a cornerstone, obviously, of Jim Henson's career. And yeah, one of the best Muppets ever. He's definitely true. He's like, he's to, Mickey is to, uh, Mickey Mouse is to Walt Disney as Kermit is to Jim Henson for sure. Um, and I'm remembering another great, there's so many great Muppet tweets out there. Um, there's a great one. This is from ten. This is this is a ten year old tweet now, uh, from somebody named at Jawbroken, and they tweeted November fifth, twenty ten. I hate the Muppets because of the pig girl. She was disgusting. I hate her with my life. She does not leave the lizard alone. And that's a great tweet, um, to, especially to think that Kermit the Frog is a lizard. Um, but yeah, I like that. I'm glad you included Kermit. We have to have the Kermit conversation. Um, but for my runner up here. I got one that you've already had on your list. I have Grover. Um, oh, lovable furry old Grover. Lovable. He's the best. He. Um, I saved this when you mentioned Grover. You talked about the book, which is obviously a crucial part of Grover lore. But my favorite, what, what makes me love Grover so much, it's not Super Grover, which is a great recurring uh, motif slash sketch on the Sesame Street program. But I love, love the sketches where Grover is a waiter. Um for it's like these are like old sketches on sesame street with uh a man like i don't even know what his name is but he's a blue man with like balding like a george costanza type hair and it's just classic like con like like super like great comedy for adults that can enjoy it while their kids are watching sesame street too um and he's just obviously like the guy is trying to order food and grover it never goes well of course but the great moment in the history of those sketches is um, when he's just so exasperated, this is probably like the 11th or 12th time they've done this and his food has been destroyed again. And the man says to Grover, please, can you just get me my meal? And Grover says, where there is life, there is hope. <laughs> it's a great moment. And I think another thing about Grover too is, you know, obviously Jim, Ken Jim Henson, one of the great creative minds of the, the 20th century. I don't say that lightly. And he, his character design is capable of such nuance and, and detail like you think about the bigger muppets the i mean like literally like larger sized muppets or or things that came later in his career or things that his son did for things like muppet treasure island you look at grover as far as character design goes you basically couldn't have a more simple looking puppet he's blue he's got very thin arms and a big nose he, he's not even a human you know really per se like i'm looking at that picture now of grover as the waiter 
the the blue guy who you're talking about is way more humanoid. He's he's a creature, but he's so enduring at the same time. You know what I mean? It's almost that simplicity that that draws mm. you to him. Absolutely. Uh, he he definitely is the Muppet who has the least discerning features at all. Um, I I looked him up too as I was talking, and uh, apparently he debuted on the Ed Sullivan Show as Gleep. Um, on, but but it was on Christmas Eve, which just keeps that uh, Muppet Christmas uh, connection going. Uh, but excellent point. He's definitely the most nondescript Muppet, and it says a lot about his personality that he can still shine so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so my runner-up is also a relatively nondescript Muppet. Um, he he's a side character. Uh, his name is Beaker, and he pronounces it me me me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's about it. I mean, like, right. Beaker isn't a main character. He's not going to drive a story forward necessarily. He He's oftentimes, you know, there with his supporting character, Bunsen, who's doing a lot of the heavy lifting as far as dialogue goes. But, man, I love a character who just says a bunch of gibberish and it's understood by all of the other characters instantly. For some reason, <laughs> that's just hilarious to me. Uh, his part... And Muppet Christmas Carol is really good, too. Like, the way that he's able to convey emotions through the tone uh, and frequency of his me's, you know, me, 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 is very different than <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> and it's, that's just brilliant character design, you know what I mean? It, it shouldn't, Beaker shouldn't work as well as he does, but he is one of the best Muppets, in my opinion. He's, uh, you mentioned that uh, Animal was your mom's favorite. Uh, Beaker is my dad's favorite. Uh Aww. And so I've always had a soft spot for that guy. Uh, love him. Uh, unclear what exactly he's up to at any given moment, for sure, um, as the assistant of Honeydew. But it's a great pick, uh, for sure. Love Beaker. Um, uh, for, I guess I'll go right into my number one here. Uh, you mentioned Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, and this this Muppet has a great performance in that uh which that obviously that is a Christmas standard, a a great film, great Muppet film, great Christmas film, and a great film. Uh, but I have number one Gonzo. Um, yes, I love Gonzo so much. Um, I like just he remind he, he reminds me a lot of Launchpad McQuack from Ducktales, where he's kind of just an agent of chaos. Really, um, he's always doing his best to help. He just wants to be involved at all times, but he also um, is constantly like like just really wrecking havoc upon anything at any given moment it's partly because of his stunt daredevil uh uh side of him but it's also just because he's uh he's really just a an agent of chaos he you're not really he's not really uh it's not really said what he is um many have speculated a crow uh and i think in in uh one of isn't muppets in space that kind of gets into that a little bit um and but yeah, he he serves as uh, one of the narrators in the Muppet Christmas Carol, which is great. Uh, he's great in all the Muppet movies, uh, and I just I don't something about him. I just see him and I have a Pavlovian response of, of joy. So I love Gonzo. He's a very different character across eras of Muppets. Like you look at the seventies Muppet Show. He's he's he is very much that agent of chaos, where he's you know involved in explosions or jumping off something or performing some sort of daredevil feat by the time jim henson's son kind of takes the reins for for muppet treasure island and muppet christmas carol he's more subdued but he's directly in the center and like yeah like you mentioned he's 
he plays Charles Dickens in Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol, which, you know, if you look across the Muppets, the obvious choice would have been Kermit or something. But to go with Gonzo as Charles Dickens was a brilliant choice. And I, I love the line, too. Uh, when he's claiming to be Charles Dickens and Rizzo the Rat is doubting him, he's like, you ain't Charles Dickens or something like that. He's like, I know the Christmas Carol as well as the back of my hand. And Rizzo goes, oh, yeah, prove it. And Gonzo sticks out the back of his hand to the camera and goes, there's a mole on my thumb and a little scar on my wrist. And Rizzo goes, no, not that, a Christmas Carol. <laughs> it's just it's a simple joke, but it's a great bit. And, and yeah, he... He anchors the movie for the audience. You know, Muppet Christmas Carol could be just too much. It's a kind of a heavy story at times, especially if you have the version where uh, Michael Caine sings The Love Is Gone. That's that's a rough one. <laughs> but he's he's there to get the audience through it. And he he's a very versatile character in that way. And he also has a love of chickens, which is yes. ultimately so inexplicable, <laughs> but such a great character trait. He does have a love of chickens. I just feel like... Uh... You know the Muppets wouldn't be the Muppets without Gonzo. He's a he's a glue guy. He's he's a utility player. Uh, even if nobody can truly understand uh, the depth of Gonzo, but love love to talk about Gonzo all the live long day. But we got to get to your number one. I'm so excited to hear what your number one Muppet is. Yeah, he's not quite the same five tool Muppet that Gonzo is. I, I regret leaving Gonzo off my list, but my number one is actually one that you already mentioned. The Swedish Chef oh, is nice. by far my favorite Muppet ever, and I, 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 Dave, I can't tell you why. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know why. It's just the way, the way that he knows to strategically throw in like an English word just often enough <laughs> to like string the audience along, but then it's heba, heba, herba, herba, <laughs> pancake or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just enough to keep you going. But man, it's just, I laugh so hard every time he does anything really. Like, like you mentioned, a lot of his skits end up sort of just escalating and escalating and escalating. It's a great kind of send up of all those cooking shows that were big uh, a while ago, you know, Julia Child uh, um, sort of late era cooking shows, but but man, the Swedish Chef, my all-time favorite Muppet, number one. Obviously, I love the pick. Um, he's great. Uh, it's also I was thinking about it as you were talking. Like it's kind of weird that like it's like a frog, a bear, a pig. They're all hanging out together, and then there's like this man who's a chef who also is part <laughs> of him, like, part of this group. Like, how did he get involved? It's very much the Goofy and Pluto both <laughs> being dogs thing, right? It's like. What are humans' roles versus animals' roles in the Muppet universe? But I don't want to know, frankly. I'm happy with the Swedish chef just being this kind of cultural, appropriated, hilarious character. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's an excellent choice. Uh, if you had asked me this list like a couple years ago, it probably would have been my number one as well. Um, love the Swedish chef. Uh, did you have any honorable mentions that you wanted to say before we go? Oh, that's a good one. I would say... Uh, Honorable mention to Ludo as well from Labyrinth. He's a really good character. Um, Big Bird uh, was close to making my list. And uh, I'm going to kick myself. It's, what is it in Waldorf? Uh, Statler. Statler and Waldorf. They're, they're the perfect kind of balance of cynicism that the Muppets need uh, in there. What about you? Do you have any runners up? Uh, I also had Big Bird. Um mainly because like he just tugs on the nostalgia like no other muppet can um he's obviously very close to childhood but he's also been the avatar of sesame street that is used for the really like 
like some of the most seminal moments in the show, like the death of Mr. Hooper, um, the reveal of Snuffleupagus to the other people in the in the area and, and on Sesame Street. And he's just he's great for those moments. But I also it's tough watching the that um, the clip of Jim Henson's funeral when Carol Spinney shows up as Big Bird and um, he's he sings to in the in memoriam of Jim Henson. And then with the with the lump in his throat says thank you kermit and it gets me every time that's it makes mm. me cry and i just love big bird for that it's a great pick yeah and like you mentioned the the face of sesame street for years along with i, I would say snuffleupagus too I, I i would have mentioned him but he was i guess apparently invisible when my mom was a kid or, or invisible to everybody else and he was a really big part of sesame street in the early 90s when that was my jam so shout out to snuffleupagus big bird's friend Definitely shout out to Snuffleupagus, um, and this has been this has been fantastic. I love talking Muppets, uh, especially with a well versed Muppet connoisseur as yourself. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. And I just want to say too, I know a lot of the guests you have on your show, you have like a deep uh, emotional connection with or friendship with. We really don't know each other <laughs> that well. Uh, I, I think I saw a review you did on Letterboxd of Mickey's Follies, uh, and when I logged my review, we were like the only two people to review it in like the last <laughs> six months, and we both had uh, duck avatars, yours being Scrooge, Mick, and mine being Donald, and so that made me really happy, and, and I haven't regretted following you at all, and, and I really, really do love this show like every time i turn it on like i said i don't know really you that well i don't know any of your guests that well but it feels like i'm amongst friends when i listen to it so i i really love this show and i'm, I'm honored to be a guest well that's just about made my whole year that was um i i remember yeah i remember hearing seeing the uh the follow of an of a fellow duck avatar i was like i'm not sure what this is all about but might as well roll with it and it's now blossomed into a great uh podcast crossover i've loved following you along as well um and you i i mean i thought this was a fantastic conversation and you're absolutely welcome to talk muppets or whatever anytime this has been great thank you so so very much for for being here and for saying that that was uh, that was very very lovely to hear well, yeah, I really mean it. And yeah, don't be careful what you offer me because I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> I would love to be back. We share a love of sports and the New England Patriots and uh, a lot of other things apparently by Letterboxd. So anytime you want to have me, uh, I've got a lot of free time in quarantine. So Skype <laughs> me up. Might as well do it. This is the time to, to bank some podcasts. Exactly.